Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. The Unholy Trinity podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 68 of the Unholy Trinity podcast in association for the first time with Fan Hub, where the fans come first. And also our, our latest local business sponsor is Andy Kelly Art. Now you've probably seen a lot of Andy's stuff on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it goes under, under Blue Doodley um, on there. It does, does some great caricatures of, of Everton players, past and present as well as uh, he'll do you some commissions as well. So he's just set up his own Etsy site with the the link is is on our our Twitter page, and we get it out again for him. Um, so decent little present there before Christmas. If you get one of those, get them sent out and uh, and framed up on on the wall. They, they look uh, absolutely fantastic. So Andy's on board uh, this week, and also the, our guest, the regular another Andy El Pivote is back in the hot seat to to dissect. Uh, well, back to winning ways. Great to be back to winning ways, of course. Um, well, Andy, we're going we're to dissect what was a, what what we call probably a, a typical game of two halves, should we say, against Fulham today. Uh, yeah, I'm glad, glad to be back, lads. Thanks for having me. And it, it's an interesting game to be back on because it's sort of, a, I guess, the, uh, the, the tipping point of a, a couple of games, uh, you know, in, in, with defensive issues. So I'm sure we've got lots to discuss. We certainly have, mate, and we're, we're going to um, save the defensive side of things for our, our middle section today. Uh, we, we can't wait to go through to go through that. Uh, I'm sure because there's a lot of questions to be to be asked and answered, and you know what can we do to improve the defensive side of things. But let's let's start with the you know the the start of the game and and Lee. What what a start it was. You know we were sitting there watching. Um, you know yeah, full of the ball away, but Everton looking. Good, strong, 
I like the effort we've seen at the start of the season in an attacking sense. Hugely, mate. Yeah, we, we, we started on the front foot. Um, I mean, Carlo said, didn't he, in the pre-match, that um, Richarlison, you know, the stats back it up. You know, he's a massive, massive miss for us. Um, clearly, obviously, very much like us, uh, rate him very highly and shows you what he can do when he's in the side. I think mean, what we've been missing, that penetration down the left, someone to commit defenders. Obviously, Luca Dean's pushed higher, put, put the defender under a little bit of pressure. It was a, it was a suicide pass, to be fair, across to him, but Obviously, uh, you know, that's what Fulham like to do. They like to play out from the back. And um, that little bit of pressure. And then it came to Richarlison and just that little shimmy, wasn't it? Just a little drag with his right foot. Took the, got, basically got the yard ahead of the defender. Got a bit of fortune with the goal. But again, Calvert-Lewin's there, isn't he? 40 seconds. Um, I know Fulham, Fulham have got a habit of conceding quick goals this season. But, um, you know, that we really did start on the, uh, very much the front foot there. Um and for, and for the rest of the half, really. Um, but having said that, I think 10 minutes in, even when we were 1-0 up, I text you two, didn't I? I think you said, we're going to have to score four to win this. And that was at 1-0. Mm-hmm. I think you could just see it. We just looked. Every time they got the ball on the deck and in our final third, it just looked like we're going to concede here. And then, you know, in contrast to that, every time we got the ball down and decided to play a bit in their half, we looked like we were going to score so it just looked like one of those mad games. Um, I just felt, you know, if we'd have got, ironically, the fourth goal, which, let's be honest, first half, if we'd have scored five or six, it wouldn't have flattered us. Um, if we'd have got that fourth goal, I think we could have basically played the way we played with a bit more sort of calmness in the second half. Yeah. It, and and you, mentioned, you mentioned the Charles in there. Obviously, I think it's important we do, we do touch on him because we, we've we said last the last few podcasts, haven't we, how disappointed we were that he made a gas decision against Liverpool and, and got himself banned for three games. Uh, com, comes back in today, Frestrum, playing for Brazil, bagging a goal as well on international duty. Um, like you say, the assist for the first, for the first Calvert-Lewin goal. And, and the, how important is Richarlison to, to Everton and, and being efficient in an attacking sense, would you say, and I suppose defensively as well, because he, he works massively hard for the team. Both really, yeah. You know, you can see with the first goal, you know, as Lee said, Dean and even Michael Keane was pressing high up as well. He, he pushed the defender backwards before he made the pass. And Richarlison then does what I don't think any other ever. I know it will be didn't look for you know later in the game, but the, the ability to carry through the lines and be that direct threat. And obviously, Richarlison's dribbling; he can penetrate those dangerous areas. And, and we don't really have that on the side, really. I think you know. There's some players who show flashes of it. We see flashes of it, but consistently, and you know, this season, the level he's gone to as a, as a carrier of the ball and as a dribbler, it's just something we just can't replicate with any of the players we have. Now, I know people say Anthony Gordon, but you know, the, the jury remains out on that until he plays consistently in the Premier League. But no, he's a massive importance. And although he hasn't scored a lot of goals this season, he's been got one in the league. The ability to drive us into dangerous areas enables us to be a much better side. And I think you know, he, he is keen, obviously, off the ball the way he presses. And, you know, the intensity and the effort he shows, it's infectious to the other players as well. And you can see when, obviously, Calvert-Lewin slots that ball in, Pete, that, that first goal, on the first play he goes to is Richardson, you know, points at him, he's back. I'm sure Dominic Calvert-Lewin is absolutely delighted to have Richardson back alongside him, taking a bit, a bit of pressure off him um, in the games today. Yeah, definitely. We just look so much more balanced, don't we, uh, from an, an attacking point of view. I loved uh, Calvert-Lewin's celebration as well. The welcome arms. I don't know if you got on that. Welcome back. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. though, wasn't it? 
Um, but no, it's, I mean, in a way, I'm gutted we've got that stat against us that we've not won without him. But it goes to show what you know what a magnificent player he is. And, um, you know, I try my best not to be negative. I was going to say, if we don't get European football this season, it'll be a miracle if we hold on to him. You're right, though. Yeah, you're back to Yeah. I think the thing with Richardson is, and we said it time and time again, He's got all the, the attributes to, to go on to another level, of course. And, you know, he's already had it, I'm sure, certain clubs sniffing around him in the in the recent past. And we, we've got to be matching those kind of players' ambitions, whether it be Richarlison, Luca Dean was in the media over the last week or so, mentioning missing the Champions League. And we, we've got to be trying to match those those uh, players' ambitions and take the next step ourselves. And that way we attract a better quality of player as well. Um but obviously, we, we take the lead early and we think, straight away, settle us down, 1-0 up, uh, happy as like. Calvert-Lewin bagging the goals in yet again, Richardson's back, and then Fulham equalise. Um, now, we, we said off the head, there's a little bit of a chat around, OK, who's, whose fault was this? A bit, a bit of talk over Yeri Bina, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. Andy, talk us through the equaliser, because... Yeah, you're not 100% on board, but it was just down to, to Yerimina, and it was is it, uh, his fault for the goal. No, and this is more of an examination of the back three, and and, and the you know Everton's not been used to or cohesive in that system yet. If you look at so Takori doesn't track the run and he gets behind them, he lays the pass off, and then the, if you watch the goal, there's a gap of about 10, maybe 12 yards between Mike and Michael Keane. And Yerimina, whereas between Yerimina and Ben Godfrey, there's four or five yards on the opposite side, so. Michael Keane's too far wide, and Yerry Mean is not close enough to him, so there's a big gap to run into. And obviously, Big Yerry can't turn as quick you know, as a cruise liner, can he? He's in he's in the gap behind them already. And it, you know, it's easy to play Yerry Mean because he's the final person in the shot, but it was more to do with the thing that the, the um, I think this was a problem for the, you know, we'll come to the second goal in a bit, but the, a continuing problem all day is that Michael Keane and Yerry Mean are probably together in a back three aren't suited and they just left a massive gap and obviously ran into the, the space and he, you know people say Pickford should have done better I, I couldn't blame him for any of the goals today I think it was a he was just a good finish and it, it, it's more to do with it you know it, it, it there's three people involved and not you know Ducori lost the runner the gap between Keane and, and Keane and Mina and then obviously you know Mina not being able to turn quick enough as he had a yard a yard to two run on him so I wouldn't blame Mina but he, you know he certainly hasn't done well in recent weeks so I understand why people are frustrated with him I'd agree with that. Mate. I, I think, oh, sorry, Mike. I, I, I was going to say, like the three-four-three that we played and set up with today, um, I'd have preferred Holgate with Keane in the middle and then Godfrey either side. You know, so we've both got pace either side of Keane, and then for that sort of moment, I think if that's Holgate in that position, he's got more mobility, hasn't he, to be able to turn there and potentially even cut that out. Yeah, that, I think the, the the strange thing for me was that you know then Godfrey played left centre back for uh, Norwich didn't play on the left hand side really and that's why we partly brought him in because his ability to play on the left and receive the ball there and obviously turn start the build up from the back which so I would prefer Godfrey Keane Mina I think Keane's probably done enough this season to suggest he's ahead of Mina for that central position and then and then and then Mason Hallgate but I think after Mason's you know he wasn't fifth the last game I know he's had a bit of a break but I think maybe they're trying to ease him back in a bit. Bit slower than we thought, but hopefully it'll be in next week. But no, yeah, I agree. You need two quick players with a stop. You can't have two stoppers in the back three for me anyway. Were you surprised to see Carlo go with a back three, Andy? Uh, do you think it was because he wanted to to try and short things up and have, have a you know an extra body in the round the, the the central area of the pitch there? 
Yeah, I, th- I think I think he looked at the midfield options, and I think he's seen that Andre Gomez and, and Gilfie Sigurdsson from, from from the start. I think Sigurdsson, especially from the start, hasn't been great. He's better coming on late in games usually, not today. But I think he's looked. He's also looked at the defensive frailties, and he's thought that getting Luca Dean higher up the pitch without probably losing that you know that defensive solidness because he's got three centre backs as key. And obviously by bringing a Wobi instead instead of John Joe Kenny, he thought they might get some joy in that. And we did, to be fair, it worked with the wing backs in the first half. It did. It was just the fact that I don't think the three centre halves, this has been an issue. You've got to give it time to develop. You know, you look at Wolves, they've done it for years now. So players are comfortable in those in those positions. It's just that we'll need time. But I, I thought the back three was a was a good step forward, I think. I think Still, the issue maybe further forward is you know Hammers as good as he is on the ball isn't really great. Great defender is he, and then you know after you go down from that, there's always a spare man loose because of that. But we were still working. I will get onto the defence more later. But I thought the back three was worked in, in in essence today, apart from a couple of little mistakes. And and you mentioned a Wobi there. Um, obviously played as a as a flying a flying like wing back today. Um, very very effective first half and. Obviously, we'll come on to the second goal because it leads in nicely to that. And, and Pete, how good was a Wobi in that particular moment? Because it's, I'd say on, on the whole, bigger man, he's played in, in a bit of an alien position there as a wing back. Uh, asked, you know, to to do with the, the defensive side, to, to give Hamed probably a bit more of a freer role and take away any kind of defensive responsibility from him. How good was a Wobi, first of all, in the build up to, to that second goal? Well, I think I said to you lads earlier, for me, that the, that first half, maybe maybe not the whole game, but the first half, it's probably the best I've seen Alex Iwobi playing in Everton shirt. Um, he was absolutely magnificent. And I think even before the goal, I think the first half in general, the, the thing that stood out was how well he used the ball. Um, you know, it, in attacking positions, he didn't give it away. He was really positive. The crosses he put in were excellent. I, I think uh, when he came on against Newcastle, there was a ball he put in for Calvert-Lewin and we were saying, gosh, you know, if only he could do that more often when he gets forward, what, you know, there might be a player there. So it was a breath of fresh air and I, I just hope it's not, um, it's not a moment for Alex Iwobi. I hope it's, you know, player development or something that, um, you know, Carlos, Carlos trying to help him with because he was just unbelievable. He's unplayable, you know, when he went past three or four um, and again, to, to be able to, you know, rather than drive, to knock it back to Hammers, to switch it over for the cross. It was a really intelligent, I think, display from Iwobi. And that's, you know, again, not to be overly critical of him, but that's probably not a word you associate with Alex Iwobi a lot. Um, you know, his decision-making in particular. So I'm really hopeful that maybe um, he could solve a few problems for us from that right-hand side, but remains to be seen. I, I do like it when when players, you know, particular players. Alex Wilby's probably in in this particular category who do get a lot of flack, um, and and he and he certainly does. Uh, but we we know, and I know Andy, I know your opinion on Wilby. You're, you're quite a quite a fan of Wilby, and you know, we f- for me, and we've always said it. He's he's a he's a forward thinking player. He plays on the on the on the half turn. You like he's always wanting wanting to take the ball and go forward, unlike a lot of our midfielders. Uh, but I, I always like it when players you come under. You know, quite a bit of criticism. Um, you know, most weeks from fans have a good game, and I think he he's shown here today. And I was I was trying to explain to a, a little Everton fan who I'm friends with just you know why it will be getting a nod maybe over the likes of a, a Bernard, for example. And he mentioned sort of Andre Gomez and Sigurdsson not starting and things like that. But I thought I thought it was great to see him do that and have the confidence. You know, he, he bagged a couple of goals for Nigeria in the international break as well. 
Uh, but he was he looked he looked so good. Like you say, piece in that first half, and you know yet, yet again, you know we we get out wide to Luca Dean. Luca Dean obviously great goal forward in terms of putting putting the ball on the spot. But Lee yet again, Dominic Calvert Lewin, another brace for him. Um, he's top of the scoring charts in the Premier League. Got to thirteen goals in eleven games in all competitions, which is unbelievable. He, he, and we've we said it time and time and time again this season. He looks like a top. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put him in. A, probably in. I'm not him in the world class category, of course not. But he's looking now like a top level Premier League striker, isn't he? Of course he is. Yeah, he, he, his stats show that, and, he, and his game shows that. You know what I mean? He's, he's actually playing with a load of confidence at the minute. Um, he, his movement in the box has improved tenfold since Carlos came in the team. You know, he's. It, he, I would say he's becoming more of an intelligent striker now. He's not. He's not always running the channels. He held the ball up brilliantly today when we needed him to at time. He won some dirty fouls. You know what I mean? His overall play today was excellent, and he was unlucky not to get a hat trick. He was only about half a yard offside from another ball from Awobi again. This time, one along the deck, a little flat one along the deck. So, yeah, I think Calvert Lewin uh, um, has been absolutely exceptional for us, and, and, and good because obviously, like Andy alluded to before, you know, Richarlison. I know he's missed three games. But he probably could have been on seven, eight goals himself this season. He's missed some absolute sitters. He missed a few today. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Dom. And if we can keep him fit, um, I think he could easily get you know to 20, 20, even 25 plus if he carries on. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Iwobi as well because I thought, I thought he played very, very well as well. I thought um, there's only, we've only got a handful of ball carriers in that team. And he's one of them. Obviously, uh, Richarlison's another one. And, and he... And he, he when he plays with confidence like that, he looks a really, really good player. And I, I agree with Pete. It probably is his best game in an Everton shirt, certainly the first half. He's had a couple of good games in the, in the Cups as well, but against lesser opposition. Um, but yeah, he, he was just playing with that little bit of swagger when it, things were coming off for him. You know, even as a little bit of an exchange in his own half in a tight spot, it was like bam, bam, bam. And he, you know, he came out with the ball and started another attack. He just looked really, really confident. Um, and like you know, if we, if we play this formation going forward, I think we'll line up three against Leeds as well. By the way, we'll try and match them. Um, I can see him playing that role again, and it suits Lucas because you know, Luca Dean, let's be honest, is one of our most creative players. He set up two today, his, his final delivery is brilliant. And you know, if, if anything, the other system does maybe hinder him a little bit in that in this role, you know, he can bomb on forward. But as we found out to our cost in the second half, playing this system. And then dropping off, which I think, by the way, Carlo's asked him to do, because I don't think Carlo would have liked how open we were at all in that first half. Being the Italian that he is, he wouldn't have liked the fact we looked like we were going to concede every time they went forward. I think the instruction would have been, look, let's try and keep a clean, clean sheet second half. We win this game, maybe nick a goal on the counter. And that was almost to our detriment, because that system then suddenly became a five instead of a three. And then they pinned us in. Um, and then it became like we were just discussing off off mic. There it became a game of like, oh my god, this is absolutely horrible to watch. Let's hang on in there, and we and we just about did. Um, but yeah, the two the two guys, particularly in the first half, um, at wide were exceptional. And that system, you need your wide players to give you the whip, don't you? Do, do the thing that got me, and I was going to ask you lads about this. When we dropped off in the second half, it seemed like we didn't know what what press to use. We were really, really inconsistent. It, it was like for 75 minutes, we all, we dropped off, but there was no pressure at all on the ball. We just let Fulham play in front of us and slot it through. And then when Tom Davies came on, it was like 
I thought an instruction surely must have come from the bench because all of a sudden we came alive a little bit and started actually putting on a, a little bit of pressure once they got, you know, about 10, 15 yards into our own half. But the, the players looked really lost in the system, didn't they, with that change? You know, I think with the system, yeah, you're right. I think the half time, I think once you make basically make Luca Dean and Alex Awobi right back and left back in a five, it's pointless really. And you're right, we did. And I think Decorian and Allen then had to cover a lot of space because there was a lot of space in front of them because they weren't pushing up. And we didn't push out. And then, you know, obviously, James Rodriguez looked tired, fairly tired in the second half. So he couldn't really do. I think Richardson, you know, obviously, a lot of players coming back late from South America didn't help. But no, in the second half especially, we, we you know, we I, th- I think we, the impetus and the, the tempo was lost in our game, which is right, you're right, Pete. That's why we did get sucked in. You know, obviously, I just like to say about it, I think people, I think people on Twitter seem to think I'm his agent because they always message me when he has a good or bad game. <laughs> I'm not, by the way. You know, but no, I think I was pleased from today. But you know, we need to see it again next week. He does these, he has these flashes. I think he did well off the bench at Newcastle. He obviously was involved in the goal that Tom scored, and I think he did quite well off the bench against Manchester United. I think he needs to put this into more. If he's more consistent, then he will have to obviously the boo boys off his back. But I think the key with him today is, and I think this is where it helped, and I think this is why he was chosen over John Joe Kenny, is he was able to bring it out for. He was an outball from the back, and he was able to help us break the lines. You see, whereas I think with John Joe Kenny and James Coleman, they have this ability just to check back constantly without looking forward. And I think when we were trying to play out from the back, I think Dean, you know, and a will be high, I was able to spring us, spring us out much better. So I thought that that worked and that, you know, the run for the second goal was good. But no, overall, I think, I think, you know, you say about Dom, I think Dom's 80% there from being a really top class, you know, centre forward. He's hold the plays good, gets in good positions, the box scores goals, just needs to add that a bit of, you know, that bit of creativity where he can bring other people into the game and create for them. But apart from that, they're the first, you know, I think that it was a really good display overall in the first half, you know, apart from the, the goal and you know, a couple of chances we let them have. I'll tell you what, though, it's, some of those outside the foot passes by Hammers, though. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then the one, obviously, that led to the goal, which was a great goal, you put that out to Dean. But the one for me, you know, when Richarlison and he volleyed it, when he played it through the middle, Richarlison made that lovely diagonal run between the centre-halves. And he just clipped it with the outside of his foot, hasn't he? And if he'd have scored that, I mean, he'd have been absolutely drooling over it, wouldn't you? Because some of our footy, when we got it down and played, was lovely stuff, wasn't it? Lovely one-touch stuff. All the goals, you know, certainly the second and third goal were brilliant team goals, weren't they? You know, fast footy, good movement, everyone taking touches making the right passes. You know, that's why for me, like I can hear it in your voice there, Pete. For me, although we did look vulnerable at the back, we should have just tried to get four or five. I just felt we've got too much for these. And I think Carlos almost did like he did against Newcastle, almost kind of went, right, let's sit off. Let's make sure we keep a clean sheet. Let's, let's, just, let's just basically make it harder. Let's close the spaces. But then by doing that, we shot ourselves in the foot because then Don became isolated. Like you said, Andy, you know, Hammers got tired. The other two guys were having to cover too much. And all of a sudden, we were defending like the Alamo, weren't we, for the last half an hour? Yeah, that, yeah. one of those, isn't it? <laughs> Decisions are half-time, really. You know, I think Carlo will learn from it and so will the players. Yeah, agreed. Obviously, obviously before half-time, we did get the third goal, didn't we? And, you know, it was great to see to see the Corey that far forward, uh, getting his first goal from the club again. Lovely, lovely football, and and Luca Dean with with a fantastic ball into the box. And and at that point, you know, we we think. I mean, we we discussed it at time, didn't we? Lee? You know, we were saying three one. You know, any probably normal season, you'd think okay, no problem at all. We're, we're out of sight here. We're, we're comfortable. 
and we said the same thing. We need four or five here for us to actually be able to watch the game with a, bit, a little bit of peace and, and feel comfortable. Because if they score another goal, we're in trouble here. And we know we know how it goes. Um, and we come out for the second half. And by that early free kick, we're a and probably should have should have worked to keep it more than he did, or he even scored the goal for me. I think he should have should have got away. By that, that first minute of the second half, it was a totally different game, wasn't it? And like like Pete said already, we dropped very very deep. We you know whether that's come from Carl's instructions, probably um, he wants to be maybe a bit more conservative. Uh, but th- there was definitely that element of protect what we've got. And as I said, didn't I, Lee, at, uh, at our time, you know, we're not a side who, at the moment, who can be conservative and go, OK, with, with three ball up or, you know, two and up, whatever it might be, let's sit, let's protect. We haven't got that in our locker, in my opinion, at this moment in time. We've got to literally do what we were doing at the start of the season and go and get four, five, six goals, whatever it might be, to see a game out. But that, that that's a bit of a concern. But do, do you think, Andy, that that's come from Carl? Do you think Carl has actually said... You know, yeah, you know, Lee said we, we were too open first half. Okay, we were three one up. Go out there, be more conservative, protect the three one lead. Like like again, like Lee said, come away with a clean sheet second half and we win the game. Yeah, I, I think he did. I think he, he, he thought, you know, three one, you know, what we'll do is we'll pick our spots now, we'll, we'll control the tempo of the game. And I don't I don't think he wanted them to sit back particularly, but I think he just wanted them to be a bit tighter. But we just didn't control possession enough to do that. We started giving away silly passes. It really got started getting sloppy. We'd lost the tempo that we had in the first half. And you know, you, the players need. You know, the players obviously got to take some of the responsibility. But Carlo also takes responsibility. In the fact, the message at half time obviously was to keep it tight, but we just became too tight. And I think as players got tired in around the 60th minute, which is when you know they, they, they came back into the game no more. So. We just started making poor and poor decisions. Once they got the second, we got further and further, deeper and deeper, and then you saw the the, you know, the issues exposed really in terms of the you know the you know, obviously having a Wobie at right right wing back isn't a great defender. Uh, Hammers still on the pitch can't really defend, so there's little gaps appearing everywhere. And and, and Alan and Decore couldn't put out all the fires and the issues at centre back when in terms of position. It, it it just became a bit of a, a bit of a mess really. And the sloppiness is what cost us, I think, you know, in terms of the, in the second goal, or the penalty and the second goal. And and, and panic, I mean, panic certainly set in, didn't it? We, you know, we, we, we had the warning from the penalty. Obviously, the, unlucky for the lad who's taken the penalty there, stepped over, kicked it onto his other foot, but like David Beckham back in the day and, and scarred it over the bar. Um, and that was the warning, that was the precursor. And, you know, we got away with one there. And for me, you should be saying, you know, as a, as a side, let's... Um, Come on, let's sort ourselves out. Let, let's let's knuckle down. Let's you know, let's see the game out. Um, and then a minute later, you know, the the players come on. Loftus cheek uh, causes a few issues for me. I think he, I think he's a he's a talented kid, uh, and he makes it three two. And at that particular point, Lee, you know, we've said it already. We're sitting there thinking the equaliser's coming. Whether it's in the next five or ten minutes, the equaliser will come before the end of the game, and we're going to throw away another game where you know. At half time, we're absolutely coasting. Yeah, mate, it was. I mean, it, we we got lucky with that penalty. It was a penalty, I thought. By the way, I know it wasn't a major contact, but it was. A, we'd have been appealing for it if it, the, if it was the other end. And we've got very fortunate that the guy standing foot went underneath him. But then, like you said, two minutes later, um, Luckman's got him behind Lucas Dean there, uh, far too easily for me. And then he pulled it back, and obviously got a bit of fortune with the deflection, but. 
if the writing was on the wall. And the worry, the real worry for me there, I'm not. I'm, as that goal goes in, I'm not thinking three-three. I'm thinking we could lose this here. We could lose this four-three. You know, and it, there was a spell you probably all remember it. You know, a minute after that goal, two minutes after that goal, where we went into real panic mode, didn't they? They were in, literally in and around our box straight away. Um, and you know, there's a time I think where Pickford should come to claim it, and then the defender hoofed it, and it came back in. We just kept on hoofing it and coming back at us and coming back at us. What we needed to do was almost like what we did in sort of the 85th, 86th minute, was just keep the ball calm, play out from the back, try and draw fouls. We would just seem to be just launching it like Sunday League style, trying to just get rid of it out of the box. And all they had to do was just literally just play your triangles, try and pass it out, get it up to Dom. And obviously, we, you know, ironically, the last sort of, apart from maybe you know one or two little sniffs, the last sort of 10 minutes, including the injury time, we weren't too bad. That 20-minute spell after the goal, you just felt like they get one here, they could go on to win 4-3 because the momentum's completely turned here. I mean, Carla must have been having kittens on the touchline. I'd love to know what he'd have been saying to Duncan on the touchline, but... I mean, the stats say it all. You know, we've compared the two halves there. I mean, first half, we had 59%, seven shots, three big chances, six shots inside the box, 324 passes, 87%. Second half, 35%, two shots in the box, or two shots in general, sorry, one in the box, 186 passes, 65%. So a drop-off of 20% in the second half. 65% pass completion for a Premier League team is absolutely shocking. Do you know what I mean? So, for me, that, that just sums it up completely in those stats. And the XG, yeah, it was high for us, wasn't it? I mean, we were, I think we were, Andy, you'll be able to tell me, was it 2.25 or something like that, were we? 2.25 and, and we're following with 1 point. Oh, I think we were 2.25, you're right. I think following with 1 point east, but obviously they had a penalty, which is 0.67. So, that was yeah, quite high yeah. for them. But I think the manager made, I'll be honest with you, I think the manager made a couple of mistakes. I think he shouldn't have kept hammers on as long as he did. We can see he was tired and and when yeah. you you know when you three one up and you think the game seems to be not going away from you but you seem to be sinking into your own half, a third midfielder Tom Davis maybe Gilfrey Sigurdsson, you know to come on just to assure and give give us another man in there would have been great but you know obviously he left it a bit, I think a bit too late on, on on that front, but no and I think I don't know I think we we, we we sometimes I think it was a typical example of Everton I think when we sometimes we play down to the level of our opposition. And I think today at times we did, and we always let teams in, you know, back in the game. It, it, no lead seems safe at the moment, and I think it's a mentality issue. And you, you know, don't get me wrong. I think the players, some players, are working really hard, but I think there still needs to be a mentality change in the fact that we need to show, like we do in periods, like the first half where the football was wonderful and we were dominating. You need to be able to keep them putting that pressure on teams, and I just don't think we did in the second half. And I think it's something that needs to be sorted really. I don't mind us shutting up shop like that. I don't mind us doing that. If we'd have got the fourth or fifth, you know, go out, get maybe get four or five, then make your subs. Then, but it's almost as if like at three-one, you know, three-one, like in in any any game of football is a precarious league because anyone knows the other team scores. There, you know, it's game on again, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Um, but I just felt I agree with you. I thought Hammer should have come off a lot earlier. I thought Richarlison was unlucky to call come off. I can see why he did it. He's been obviously in South America and he's obviously had, you know, a few, quite a few games, been travelling. <laughs> He was gutted to come off, by the way, wasn't he? He wasn't happy at all. But by doing that and bringing Siggy on, we've lost a ball carrier, haven't we? And someone with a bit of pace. Now, that was the worry for me. In that type of game, it's the type of game that, weirdly, that can be where you need almost like a Walcott to come on something like that, where you can just clip it in the channel and relieve a bit of pressure and then have someone with pace coming after it. But the ball kept on coming back at us. Because Sigurdsson, I mean, that game was just not set up for Sigurdsson at all to come on, was it? Because he's not a great tackler. 
And, you know, he, he's obviously known for being anonymous in certain types of games, you know, when the pressure's on. I didn't think they expected him to come on and play like a statue, though, where he just couldn't, literally couldn't move. He was, oh, uh, you know, don't be wrong. I think in, in spots this season, Gilfie Sigerson's done really well off the bench. And I think, that, you know, from the start, I think he suits games when other teams are tired. He can pick his spots then. But today, he just couldn't get into it. I think until Tom came on. I think that, we, that he was the, the catalyst then because he had that energy around the field. He's got, I know he's not the quickest, but he's got the ability to carry through the lines then, and he did move us up the pitch a bit more and start the press. And I think once he came on, it was much better. But you know, the second goal again, you know, me again, you know, Mina and Keane again, the gap, and then Mitrovic peels off. Mitrovic, sorry, uh, cheek peels off Keane. Mina doesn't close the space, and then it, it's it's Mina. It makes a good attempt at a block, but then it goes over Pickford. Uh, you know. It was a, sl- a sloppy goal again to concede. It's just one that can be avoided, really. And I think Carlo was again is going to be pulling his air out over the defence, which we'll get to in a bit. But no, I think th- that's where the improvement needs to be. I think you know you look at Everton now with third in goals scored in the Premier League, but fourth in goals conceded. It's a it's a real concern that part of the game. I don't think going forwards much of a concern really for us. I think, like like you say, Andy, in terms of going forward, you know, at times, especially today, we we look great again, and, we, and we've seen it, especially in the early part of the season when we were unbeaten for so long, and you know, attacking wise, we looked very very good. Um, but you know, it's a great time to to move on and talk about the, the defensive issues that we've got. Well, we've come away today, we've we've got got the win, we're back to winning ways, which is really important after after a really poor run and losing three on the spin. So let's not lose that positivity and and the positivity that we saw. In the first half, especially from certain individuals, but you know, I think that it's it's really important that we do cover the defensive issues that we've got. As we've we've said already, you know, we um, we we conceded two today uh, in our last six games. We've conceded at least two goals, which is which is absolutely appalling. Um, and we look like we look very very fragile at the back. Now we, we've seen. A variety of formations. We've seen a variety of personnel. We've had obviously suspensions. We've had injuries. All manner of things have played into why, you know, we've had to change things up a little bit. But what, what do you think the biggest issue is? You know, we, we see us go three at the back today. Um, is is it a case of personnel? And 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 you know, I, I won't sort of pick on Luca Dean and Seamus Coleman and, and those sorts of maybe wing back positions, but centre halves. Is it simply down to the fact that personnel who are playing together don't particularly work together? That's one of the many reasons. I, I think that's part of it. I think you know, we, I think last season, you know, when Zuma didn't sign, we all knew that it was only an issue playing Mina and Keane together. And obviously, Holgate emerged as he did round October last season really helped us a lot. I, I just don't think mean I don't think Mina and Keane can play together. And I think this season is. Another example why you know we've missed Holgate, another Ben Goffrey's only just getting going now as an Everton player. And it, it them two together, I think you know I've talked about roles is a big part of football, and I think to get the best out of players, you need to play them the best roles. And I think both Mean and Keen, Mean and Keen, they're both stoppers. They want to go meet close the space quickly, go and win the header. They're both similar type of players. They're not someone who's going to drop off and cover the space in behind like Holgate does so well. And that's the key, the issue between the two of them. I think. I think that's and obviously Mean has made a couple of you know mistakes. I think you know Michael Keane wasn't particularly great last week against Manchester two weeks ago against Manchester United. Yeah, so yeah, there's been some issues there. I think the protection in front of them is better this season, but it's still not right in terms of centre backs often 
get a lot of the blame because the last line of defence by the goalkeeper. But the protection in front of them hasn't always been great in terms of Alan. You know, he's a good player, good in field. He's been good this season. He's not a natural single pivot. He, he, you know, he wants to go out and meet the ball carriers. He wants to chase them down the blind alleys or win the ball back, which then leaves you know the centre backs as a screener really to cut off those passes. And I think against Manchester United particularly, and today at, at times they just found pockets of space which hurt us really. So I think it, it's players not playing the right roles, and maybe some a couple of partnerships not being right. But you know, there's you know there's other other issues as well, I guess. But what what do you guys think? <laughs> Going to say Yagi yeah, anyway, ain't you, Lee? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, mate. <laughs> uh, no, I think look, Yeri's had some good games for us, but he's also had some really really you know difficult games for us, and he has got his strengths. Um, and he's also got his, you know, very much his weaknesses were in were in on display today. Um, I think, like Andy said, there he is like Michael Keane. He is a bit of a stopper. Um, playing them two together isn't great for us. We've been forced to because of injuries. Um, but I do tend to agree with Andy. Actually, I, I think it is more than that. I, I, you look at Allen. If we could get Allen further forward, almost in an eight, and then having just someone sitting in behind. Imagine, for example, today, if we'd had someone like a Gareth Barry playing a six today, how much more calm it would have been in that game. Gareth would have got his foot on the ball. He would have told everyone to calm down a bit. He'd have kept the ball for us, which he did all day anyway. And then that would have allowed Alan to sort of do what he's good at, which is, you know, he sees the ball, he goes for it, doesn't he? I think the term Keown used today is like a tiger. And I think that's quite a good description. He is like that. He loves, he loves just getting in people's faces. You know, Loftus Sheet came on, and within two seconds, he's straight on him, like going, "I'm having it off you." And for someone, you know, who's quite a small guy, he is very, very tenacious. He's almost like a Gattuso type, in it in a way, really. But I think um, for me, if we, the sooner we can get Gabamin fit, who obviously we all know of, we've not seen enough of him, but he seems to be more of a natural single pivot than than obviously anyone we've got in the team at the minute. I think that then frees the core and Alan, certainly Alan, anyway, to go and chase the ball down and frees the core to get in the positions like he did for the third goal today. Uh, and that's and that's the balance that we're missing in midfield. As, and as a result, I, I watched I rewatched the United goals the other day actually, um, and the space at the time they had to cross the ball in there from that side, and for obviously the likes of Rashford to drift in, the likes of Bruno to drift in. I mean, they had all the time in the world to pick a pass there. You know what I mean? And that was purely because obviously Allen's trying to close the ball down. It's leaving leaving the space. And look, clever players like Bruno, they pick that up all day. They'll, they'll just walt, you know, waltz into that space and make something happen. Um, so for me, the sooner we can get that balance back and have a natural six in there, I think the better. Really, I'm hoping for Gabamin, you know, for our sake and for his sake, that the lad gets a good run in the sides. Um, we'll need him over Christmas, and we'll need him to stay fit over Christmas because obviously it's a really tough period and it's congested, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a big call. I mean, obviously, Gabamin, we, we we saw so little of him. Uh, certainly in the second game when he played against Watford, I, I thought you can see there's a player there. You can see what his attributes are, go- are going to be. Um, so, you know, he, he, he could have a big role to play in, in this season when he comes back. But it's really important not to rush the kid. I've, you know, we it's he's had so long out. We, we can't sort of pin our hopes on getting him back into that side, playing week in, week out, because we need someone in that particular role. He's got to be eased in. He's got to get... We've got to take our time. Even... If he, if he's on the on the bench for the majority of the season, you know, just get just get him some game time, you know, just but but 10, 10 minutes here, fifteen minutes there. Um, 
But another option potentially, and I, it, it was muted on Twitter, uh, I think it was last week, and I one day saw a conversation you were having with someone as well was, was maybe whacking uh, Ben Godfrey in there as, as a number six. Is that something which we could maybe look at, do you think? Yeah, you know, I think Ben Godfrey said himself that he doesn't want to play there. He sees himself as a centre-half. But that was Daniel Farker, I think, obviously wanted to convert into a full-time centre-back. I think I watched him play uh, there for Shrewsbury in 2017-2018, albeit in League One, but he was he was excellent that season. You know, uh, Dean Henderson was in goal for that Shrewsbury side on loan as well. And then he got to the playoff final that year, and he was really good. You know, And obviously with his ability to play centre-back, it allows us then when we are in possession for him to drop into a back three and then you can push the wing backs on then which which is really key. So it is an option. You've got Mason Holgate who, you know, people think because he played one and a half games there is, you know, the new Pilo or whatever. But you know, but that's just what fans are like, I guess, because I think a lot of fans when they see something they can buy into that rather than me going, Ben Godfrey was good at Shrewsbury. It doesn't really quite work on the same so I understand you know, the logic and that. But no, we have got options there. And I think the Bannon getting back at Mike's right to say we do need to be so careful with them because you know, one more big injury. I think the fans, you know, probably want to release. You know, but we need. You know, it's it, it's all about managing expectations. You know, Alan and, and Jacory doing good jobs, playing well. The, the, you know, they're doing roles that are not the best. But you know, we're still aside in transition. People can understand that Carlo can't fix every problem in one transfer window. I think you know, in terms of the right, the, you know, the defensive issue is the right hand side. Is Shane Col- Coleman's been facing overloads most of the season. So then Decore has to go out there because let's be honest, Han is as good as he is as a luxury player, isn't he? You've got, you know, he's not the best defender. And I think then leaves Alan, then we're not partnered by either Gilfie Sigurdsson or Andre Gomez, who are two less than stellar defenders, shall we say. And then you've got real issues there. So, you know, I think obviously when we've got four or three, really three athletic midfielders, you can get around the pitch and win the ball back. We'll be a much better side. We can accommodate for Hammers then. But then, until we have that, you've got you, you can have slight, you know, you can have you know growing pains as they say. And I think we're still you know a window or two away from being a really fully you know competent side. So the fans are going to have to be patient on that front. But there is you know there, there is things we can try. The Godfrey and the you know doing the three five you know the three three at the back. I think if we get you know the right two centre backs around Michael Keane or you know, whoever it is, probably Michael Keane, then we'll be much better. And just it'll take time. I think the fact I think I know patience is short with fans. We've just got we've got to be patient. It's still a work in progress in a lot of ways. What what do you think, Pete, in terms of this, you know, we're seeing this three again today. We've obviously touched on there, maybe throwing in Godfrey as a six. So but then you know when we when we are pushing on you can drop in into to almost to to a back three to, to cover those wing backs who are pushing up. Do, do you think that this Three at the back is, is the way we're going to go, maybe in the in the shorter term. It's hard to know, isn't it? I think when when I saw the team today, my initial reaction was Carlo's obviously seen how teams have been setting up against us with Hammers playing on the right, um, and when he didn't have Coleman behind them, he's, we've been seriously, I think, found out as a side. Um, so it felt like a shrewd shift, but I think like all of us have said today, it doesn't seem like a system that a we're particularly used. To or, or natural in, and I, I think it's an interesting call about you, you know would it be a gamble to stick with the system? I think particularly if we play it against a team like Leeds, I just you know I couldn't see us getting anything from that game because Leeds are just so well versed in the way that they play and they do it so well. Um, there was an interesting stat shared when the game was on earlier that Carlo Ancelotti's used twenty one players since he's come in. I thought it was interesting they didn't put it in any kind of context. I don't think he's used 21 players. I think he's had to. He's had to use 21 players. And I think a lot of those changes have occurred across the back four. Uh, and really, we've played very little games with our sort of first choice defensive lineup. Um, and I think you throw into that mix then 
I think the problems Jordan Pickford's had, uh, you know, not to put more pressure on his shoulder or, or more, you know, more blame at his door, but I think that probably seeps into the back four when you've got a goalkeeper having issues behind you. So I, I think it's quite a big problem, really. I, I mean, I'm confident we can sort it out and it will settle down, but I think there's lots and lots of factors. Um, and for me, I'm not sure whether having a back three is a long-term way forward for us. I think it's a, it's a stopgap um, and how well we do out of it, I think we'll we'll definitely find out against Leeds if we play that way. Yeah, like, like you say, Pete, there's, there's definitely more than more than one reason or one factor in terms of why we are conceding the number of goals that we're conceding. And it's funny, obviously, you mentioned there, Jordan Pickford as as, a, as an example. Uh, we discussed Pickford time and again, and and we you know we wasn't a fault today for, for the goals. You know, as much as others might want to try and blame him for the first goal, you know, ridiculous thing to say uh, in my opinion. And the second one, no chances deflected. But what's he going to do with that? Um, but I think that's certainly also, like you said, that you, you sense a heart. I got to have confidence and build a relationship with the goalkeeper, and that confidence is not there for me. You know, it's. Um, the, the, whoever plays in front of him is not fully trusted. I don't think of of the goalkeeper, and that, that's not not to say. By the way, I know we, we've we've been dead against all this media criticism because even now, was it yesterday? Klopp was still half on about the uh, the Van Dyke Van Dyke situation in Jordan Pickford. So they, all that stuff has just got to stop. Uh, but I still think it's important that we we do discuss. You know, in terms of us and going forward, do we see him as as our as our number one, and for me, probably not. You know, I think if we're looking to develop into a better side, you know, we've got to be looking at a better quality goalkeeper and someone who the back four and the centre half especially can trust. So that's certainly a factor which we need to look at as well. Um, but I was definitely surprised today. You know, t- touching on personnel, you know, obviously that's another factor. I, I do think the whole gate was definitely. Uh, the one who should have been in there. If you're going to go to a back three, Holgate should have, should have played the game. Um, now, whether, like you said before, Andy, whether it's a little bit of rustiness or to try to ease him back in, I don't know. But for me, instead of obviously Mina, it should have been Mason Holgate. Do you think it? Did, um, do you think Carlo thought Mitrovic should start? I, I, that's what the impression I got. He thought Mitrovic should start and go with the two big lads, trying to, and he obviously didn't. And I, I was worried when he came on, but he didn't do much at all. It was the unit that is Loftus Cheek that caused his problems. And Adam Lachman, you know, I, you know, he wasn't perfect today, but you know, he's a very dangerous player. And I think if we had someone like him to bring off the bench, we'd be in a better position. But hey, you know, things happen, don't they? But no, I, I think you, you're right there. I think just on Jordan Pickford, I think I'd separate the two things: performance and the media. The media's been you know, terrible towards Jordan Pickford, and you know it's become a bit of a witch hunt because it gets clicks and what have you not. And you know them over the park are still talking about. It. I'm sure they'll have an anniversary every year to mark the event. But you know this season he is the worst performing goalkeeper statistically in the Premier League in terms of you know goals conceded more than he should, and that's you know that's got to improve. He was second to last regular goalkeepers last season, you know ahead of Kepa, and obviously you've seen you know Chelsea have removed Kepa now. And look how the improvements been with Edouard Mendy. So you know, it, I think Everton will look to buy a goalkeeper in the summer. Whether they move Jordan Pickford on, you know, we'll see. But I think you know this may be his last big chance to to you know put you know, presses at Everton, you know, starting goalkeeper. Yeah, many, 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 many questions to to be asked. I'm sure as the, as the season goes on. But I think you know, outside obviously Pickford, I think I think maybe defensively that could cost us getting to where we want to be. Uh, and we're maybe you know obviously the the early season form 
Uh, obviously, we, we we started very very well in the second sense, by the way. But we we started well, and, and a lot of fans then thought, "Oh, we are, you know, tough tough for you. We're, we're going to push. We're going to push." I th- I think maybe the defensive side of things and conceding so many goals is going to sort of hold us back a touch this season in terms of what our objectives should be and and will be. Uh, still think obviously European football's got to be the aim, and and Carlo said that. But like you said, Andy, you know it's. He's not going to fix every single problem in one window. We know that. We know there's certainly areas that we need to improve on and personnel needs to improve. And that will come over the next two or three windows, potentially. But we've got to have that patience and, and expect at the moment that we're not going to be absolutely spot on when it comes to uh, keeping clean sheets. Although it is still a huge, a huge concern. Um, only two on, clean on sheets. Sorry, Michael. On, on a side note, actually, just want to while you're on, Andy, get your opinion of of the links with uh, obviously with Isco that seem to be getting um, more and more attention. I know you and I have spoke uh, privately about it briefly, but I, I just think I I know you're right to be cautious, and I'll get your opinion in a second. But I just think in that type of system we played today, or even a four-three-three, which we've played obviously most of the season, if Isco was to come. And Carlo denying it quite vehemently recently makes it sound like he is trying to basically say, look, we're not interested when we really are. Is he? Is it too much of a luxury luxury having him and Hammers in the same team, maybe, do you think? For me, yes. I think you'd have to have a really dominant side to be able to carry that, that, that type of players. I think the issues for us is that you'd, you'd, you'd be asking a lot of, a lot of you know, of the back four and the two midfield players who play with. Misko's a good player, don't be wrong, he's fantastic, and I think Everton fans would be right to be excited by his name, no doubt, but for me, recruitment is always about fit, and don't be wrong, you know, when people go, well, we'd rather have him than Gomez, and obviously, yes, he's a wonderful player, and obviously, he is better than those two, in team, but is he the right midfielder for me? I think we need more athleticism. I think we need, you know, another you know, another person who can break the break of play and you know, get the ball forward to our players. You know, it was for example a Katangi and Don Belly type that'd be perfect for us. You know, as, as another type we have in it. But you know, people have said, well, you know, Hammers is you know can be quite injury prone. You can know, you know, bring him in as competition for Hammers. That's quite an expensive luxury option to bring him as you know for Hammers. I think. Don't be wrong. I think I understand why people would want to go, but just for me, in terms of fit for what, you know what the issues are in the team, I, I I don't think he's he's the right fit. As I said, we've we've got no problem scoring goals and creating chances. It's keeping them out. That's the issue, and I, and I don't think he helps us do that. And I don't, I, you know, I understand the trade off for having him and other different players, but I think we just need a different type of player than him. Mike, what's your thoughts, mate? Um, obviously, like like Andy said, it, it's it's a great name, isn't it? You know, it's he, he's a he's a quality quality player. Um, I think I said to you, didn't I? Um, a couple of weeks ago, when the links first came out, you know. He looked. He's looked a little bit sort of um, off the pace, overweight. I've seen pictures of him recently, and it's whether you know if you bring him in in January, with him not particularly playing uh, as it is. If you bring him in in January, you know how long does it take him to get to anywhere near match fitness? How long does it take him to, to hit the ground running and really start impacting games? It's 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 exciting, you know, another name which we wouldn't be linked to if it wasn't for the manager, I'm sure. Um, and like Andy said, if you know Everton fans, we we thought you know we'd all love it to have that kind of quality. But it's I don't know. I, I you know I think yeah, it's a great player in terms of it would improve the quality of the squad. The only concern I've got is is in and around 
his fitness and how long it would take him to, to make an impact in, in that side. And that's, you know, can we afford to pay someone top dollar wages and, you know, say 18, 20 million pounds transfer fee to, to maybe impact the hand, you know, three, four, five games in the, you know, the remainder of the season? I don't know. You know, it's, it's all lives and butters, isn't it? Uh, but like, like Andy said, it's, it's a valid point. It's got to be the right fit. It, it really has. You know, it's, it's got to be the right fit for the side. And um, no doubt, as I say, exciting. But uh, I'm, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think it's going to run and run. I really do. I think it'll run through January and the links are going to be there. The Pete, Pete, Pete. Oh, sorry, go on, Pete. Go on, Andy. Go on. 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 <laughs> I think the romantic in me would would like him. I think it's, I think it's interesting because when Ancelotti was at, at Real, I, I know we, we were reading a couple of articles from Mars, so weren't we old old articles saying that actually he'd like to play Isco quite deep in that Madrid team um, and almost had him sitting a lot. So, you know, the, the, the fantasy football player in me <laughs> would, would love to bring him in and have him sitting, but, it, you know, it's whether he can do that in the Premier League. And like Mike said, if we did go for him in January, if it was even possible... You know how much good footy are we going to get out of him? Um, and the, I think the more you think about it, almost the more unrealistic it makes it. Um, so yeah, I, from a romantic point of view, I'd love it, but from a realistic point of view, I, I'm not so sure. I think the January transfer window, as we know, the Marcel Brands doesn't like the January transfer window, and I've done the research on this myself. I think people, if I said to people, you know. Most you know most players you bought in January don't have an impact on the second half of the season. I'm sure people can name four or five players that have Bruno Fernandes being the obvious one last season. But overall, it just doesn't, especially strikers and forwards, really hardly any impact at all in the second half of the season. Not Jelovic, of course. We, we, love, we love him still. But, you know, apart from that, you can name a couple of players, but overall, it just doesn't work. And I think, unless Everton can get a player that they were going to sign in the summer anyway for the right price in January... Or they find a loan that's just too tantalised not to take on with an option to buy. Then maybe we miss January out. I know the fans will hate that because it's quite an open season. But we just we can't afford to short term ourselves when we look. You know, obviously we're building towards being you know Bramley, you know Bramley Moore and that ability to cons- you know con- you know to be contested, compete. Sorry, consistently over a number of years. We can't keep making short term decisions to try and make Europe. I think that's what's cost us in recent seasons. Where we've just every season, it's let's go for Europe and let's buy for that. And I think we need to be a bit more, you know. I know, I know the fans, it's hard to ask for patience after 25 years, but we'll go, we're trying to get somewhere now. We just need to think, you know, we just need to be sensible buying the right quality to improve incrementally. Tells you where we are as a side where we're, where we're basically debating whether to go for Isco or not. It sounds crazy ago. to say don't sign Isco. It does sound crazy. And I, I get why fans think, you know, what the hell is he talking about? But Cisco's twenty nine in April. I know you're twenty eight till you're twenty nine, but he's not. In the, he's not in the peak of. He is still in the, the latter half, of the peak of his career. But he, he hasn't. I think he's, I think he's got four goals in his last eighteen months. I think he's not. The, he's not the player he was in the Champions League finals, which I'm sure Everton fans mostly remember his glory. But they probably haven't watched a lot of games since then, and, and, and that's sometimes the issue. But if he was like Hammers, then great. You know, it, it might work out. You know, but it, it's a, it's a risk, obviously. I remember him playing against playing against Italy against Verratti in midfield, and and he absolutely ran the game against a decent Italian midfield. Then, and I also remember him coming to Goodison in a pre-season friendly when he was a young kid. Um, who was he? Who did he play for when he was, it was Malaga, Malaga, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him coming over, and I just thought, who's this young kid here in the middle of midfield? Almost looked like a little bit of an Imar type player. You know, great ball carrier, great you know, just carried the ball beautifully, great balance. 
great, you know, picking out passes as well, great, great creativity. I know he'd almost kind of say he's almost underachieved for his talent, hasn't he? Because he obviously has gone to Real. He's had some absolute great seasons, particularly under Carlo, obviously under Real. And he's just one of those players that sometimes you go to a club like that, you know, and you just end up going missing, don't you? And, I'm just, you know, he's won trophies there. Don't get me wrong, he has. But I just think they've got so much quality in these squads that even people like Isco don't even get a look in, do they? Well, the dance seems to have gone off, went off him and Hammers quite quickly over the last 18 months for whatever reason. Obviously, we've seen you know, quite a good, good version of Hammers for us. Obviously, we understand that he wouldn't have came on, of a, on a free if he wasn't a bit fragile injury wise and a bit and fitness wise. He's going to have those games where he can't, you know, he's not going to be able to stay fit for every game. So, we understand that. We've got to take that. But, but yeah, Isco, you know, at the end of the day, it's not my job. I'll back the margin and, and Marcel Brands, whatever they do, as always, because it always comes down to opinion. My opinion is one thing, theirs is another. That's And if they approve, right, great, perfect for them. What are your thoughts on Brands, just quickly before we move on to Leeds? Because there's been links to, I think you saw Roma, and it was, it, was the, it was a dodgy one to United, I think I saw earlier on as well. What are your thoughts? Because obviously his contract's up in the summer, isn't it? Do you think we're going to look to, to keep Brands on? Yeah, you know. From from an outside look, from an outside looking in, you know, obviously with a year left, I think fans are like, why has he signed a new deal? But it's a director of football. He's not a player. Where he's going to go on a Bosman, you know, it's it, it's 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 much different. So January, when I think the AGM, I think there's AGMs in January, late December, whenever it is, I think he'll either be announced a new contract when he's re-elected to the board. I'd be surprised if he left because he's had offers in the past for big money. For, I think Chelsea, I think United, and other other clubs have offered, and he's someone who wants to go to the right situation. I think don't be wrong, it hasn't been perfect for him or ever, and you know, in terms of being allowed to do his job and don't be wrong he's made some you know questionable decisions about players coming in I, I guess you know I think overall that, that you know we'd be proven reasonably right I think we'll get money back from Moise Key and Alex Awobi maintains his performance today I say through hopefully then we might it might be all right but you know I, I think from you know from an inside you know inside perspective I've been speaking to people about the academy this week the whole recruitment system with Chris Perkins coming has changed in the academy they ripped it all out a lot of people unfortunately lost their jobs because they want to make changes to it which is understandable and also the coaching under, you know, obviously Unsworth and, and John Apple have been moved into different positions, but the coaching's also going to be changing as well, you know, as part of that. And there's an idea to make it, you know, everyone plays like the first team. So there's a lot of shape. It'd be surprising if you left after initiating all those changes, but you never know, I guess, in football. Mm. It remains to be seen, but obviously that'll, uh, like you say, once when we have the AGM etc. We, we we could expect an update there. Um but let's you know let's let's move forward. Um next game coming up uh late game Saturday R five um Leeds United visit Goodison Park um obviously back in the Premier League for the first time for, for many many years and, and the and they've come up and they, they look half decent they look at a decent side watching them against Arsenal today and I know Arsenal went down to ten men quite early in the second half but Leeds were much a better start before that, uh, in my opinion. Um, they're they're going to cause us a few problems, aren't they, Peter? They're definitely, they're definitely a side that we we can't underestimate. You know, they've got eleven points from the the opening nine games, but they, you know, definitely put them a a level above Fulham uh, who we face today, Peter. Yeah, I think they're going to cause us a lot of problems, and I, I think they're really going to fancy it as well. Um, I watched the the Arsenal game earlier and how they've not won it. How they're not winning widely as well, I, I don't know. They were incredibly unlucky. I, th- I think they hit the uh, the woodwork three times. Um, but they're just so well drilled in the way they play. I think you look at them as a squad, there's not really any player that stands out as a you know as a fantastic talent. They're, they're a, a real team 
you know, and I think they've got a real identity as a team, and I think they they play really well for one another. Um, and I think that would be my, I think that's my main worry really when I look at how Everton stand at the moment. I don't think we'll be going into the game with our sort of preferred system, um, and I think that might be what sort of edges the game. But for me, if if we could play Leeds with Seamus Coleman at right back, I, you know, I, I'd expect us to win. I'd expect us to to perform and play well. But I think. If we go there with a bit of a makeshift defence and a system that we're not fully well drilled in, I just think Leeds might have a bit too much for us in terms of, um, I think, organisation and energy. I don't know what you lads think. What, what are your yeah, thoughts, Leon? That... So, sorry, Andy, go on, mate. No, I was just going to say, in terms of Leeds, I think Pete's made some good points there. They just know that system so well, so well drilled, and the fitness and the pace at which they play, you know, I'll bring it back to today. I often think Evan look really unfit after 60 minutes. I think the intensity drops massively and they can't maintain that level of leads. You know, really can maintain that level. And I think the big thing for them is Calvin Phillips was back today and he changes things for them defensively because Matthias Click was awful as a defensive midfielder, but he's better going forward, you know, better going forward. And he changes the complexion of the side completely in terms of screening that back four. So sad time for Evan. Maybe, you know, he obviously played today and he'll probably play next week. But no, it is a concern, but I think that we can get at them. I don't love the centre-halves a lot. I think Cooper's all right. I think Cox he can play well, but I think in the Premier League, you put him under pressure and force mistakes about him. So it's key that we play, obviously, with Charleston, and, you know, and obviously James. You just pick pockets in the game. He's not, you know, you know, all over the pitch, you know, for 90 minutes. He, he does pick pockets in the game, but his quality is massive to us. I think we can create enough opportunities to win. It's just whether at the other end that we can keep it out. It could be 7-4 for all, you know. <laughs> Lee, what are your thoughts on on Leeds? I know, I know when you, I think they, uh, the, after the first couple of games of the season, you were saying, you know, these are, are a much better side um, than what we've seen previously come up to the Premier League. Um, I, I have my doubts. I think they, they, they've certainly grown on me, I think, in terms of watching them a little bit more. As we've said, they're very, very organised side. They've worked with Bielsa for a little while now, so they know the system inside out. Um, you think it's going to be a tough task uh, next, next Saturday, Goodison? One word, mate, Bielsa, isn't it? Bielsa is an absolute, you know, you can see why he's lauded as a coach, why a lot of people like him. Obviously, Guardiola absolutely worships him. He's just your unconventional coach, isn't he? I mean, he, he, his team's just, they're great to watch. Yeah, I remember I remember the Chile team that he managed, obviously, in the World Cup. You know, they were absolutely awesome to watch. You know, everyone's sort of favourite sort of second team in that World Cup, really. Um, and Leeds, Leeds, Leeds have uh, rightly come up last season. Um, they almost blew it again, but I think obviously the lockdown came at the right time for them. Um, they've come up this season, and like Pete said, really, you wouldn't really say they've got a load of household names. And you know, you watch some of that first game of the season um, against Liverpool. You know, some of the goals they scored in that game were absolute class goals. And you know, I, I watched the Arsenal game today, and you're right. Even before the sending off, they should have been two or three up easy. Uh, if they'd have had a, you know almost a Bamiyang in their team there, they probably would have been as well. Um, they play some lovely stuff, you know, lovely one-twos, like like Andy said before, fast football, highly energetic. Sometimes they do run a little bit out of legs in the second half um, of games. But um, where they've come unstuck, really, you know, Phillips has been a massive miss for him. He did take a knock today as well, didn't he? I know he carried on, but he came off with 10 minutes to go and he is vital for the way they play. You are right, you know, as the holding midfielder. Um, but, you know, you know, credit where it's due, I've, I've been impressed with him, but where they have come unstuck, like I said before, is just against teams that just like to naturally set up and play on the counter. And Leicester play that way and Palace play that way and they both scored goals against them. 
I think Palace scored four, and I think Leicester scored was it three or four as well? Was it? I think in that game. Mm. So you know, um, you know, teams that basically sit off, not willing to sort of dominate the ball, um, you know, and, and literally hit them on the counter. They've struggled, but in, ironically, in both those games, Phillips wasn't playing, was he? So that shows you how important he is to them. Um, I thought I watched the game against City. I thought that was a brilliant game of football to watch from a tactical perspective. I think it was absolutely fascinating to watch those two teams play. Um, so it, it, it could be an absolute bizarre game next week. It could really could. I mean, Andy said 7-4. You know, there'll be goals. I think there'll be plenty of goals in this game. Um, there could have been plenty of goals. Well, there was plenty of goals in today's game, but it could have been 6-5 in today's game uh, you know, if we'd have carried on playing uh, the way we did in the first half. But I think... Um, yeah, it'll be one of those games. I think it'll be, you know, for the neutral, it'll be a great game to watch. Um, and um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know, just the way we played in that first half, we, if we can show some of that quality, have Holgate back in that system, um, I think I think we could probably edge it for me. But I do think there will be goals. My, my idea, well, I had this idea earlier, was to, as an idea, is to maybe... You know, Burn leads out by having maybe Tom Davis come into the side and play a 5-3-2 with, and play on the counter in the first half and then maybe bring Hammers on about 60 minutes when the game slows a little and then he can pick his pockets then because I think Hammers playing him every single week from the start I think he's going to burn out you know we've got to, we've got to manage his, what managers gave him he was really tired about 60 minutes today but I think if he can that bit, bit, bit more solidity by having a third midfielder who can get about, get about next week Early on in the game, take the sting out of Leeds, and then have him come on in the second half. Could be the way to go, but you know, obviously the manager will decide what's best. I think that's a really good shout. That I think that's a really good shout, purely because of the way they play in midfield, isn't it? They like to play as I said, you know, little fast one-touch football, and they're all comfortable on the ball. Um, they've got some really good midfielders uh, in in that team. As I said, not many household names, but some good players. Um, and I just think, yeah, you're right. Maybe we do try and maybe hit them on the counter first half and then maybe try and you know, hit, hit them in the last 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, personnel. Personnel is really important for this Leeds game. But I think take the take the attacking side out, out of it just for a minute. I think Holgate coming back in, I think it is just massively important. Uh, whether we play, play a two or a three, you know, in terms of centre-backs, Holgate coming back in to, to provide those legs and, and you know um, against against quicker players is, is 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 important. But Seamus Coleman, I think the games he's missed so far this season, he's he's been notably missed. You know, second half today we mentioned obviously not 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 a Moby's fault. You know, defensively maybe he was he was shown a little bit. Um, and we know how good you know Coleman's been one of our better players this season for me. You know, he, he's, I think he gets written off time and again, Seamus Coleman, and then he, he just shows. How, how good he can be. So we, we do miss we do miss Seamus Coleman, and I think when Coleman comes back in with 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 Holgate, that that could swing things in in our favour. But it'll be interesting to see, like you said, Andy, you know whether or not we should be using Hammers differently sometimes and and giving him a go off the bench, like you say, when the the Leeds players are targeting, you know, throw him on for for sixty minutes and uh, sorry for thirty minutes and, and find those pockets and you know pick pick, pick the right pass and, and he'll cause all manner of problems. Um, so it'd be, it'd be intriguing to see what Carlo Watterly does, um, and and if he sets up any difference to, to to what we saw today. But you know we're all down to injuries. I'm sure who's available uh, on the day and, and who comes through the the weekend training. Um, but we'll, let's, let's go for our predictions. Pete started off. I'm gonna say uh, two two if we play three at the back, 
think if we if we go with a back four, um, I'll go with a, a cheeky two nil. Andy, I'm going to say four two. Uh, and if Seamus Coleman plays, you have to play a back four. There's no point in playing him as a wing back. He's not the same going forward as anymore. Lee, I'm going to say four three. I think it's. I think it is. Honestly, I think it's going to be a goals fest. And the way we defended today, I can see them scoring. I mean, Pete's ambitious going with a clean sheet. <laughs> we've conceded two in the last six games minimum. Um, I do think um, I think there'll be goals. I'm hoping we can edge it four three. Richarlison coming back into the team is massive for us, and he's due a goal. And he, I can see him getting a brace in that game. I think he'll cause problems for them. I don't think they're great at the back. I do agree with Andy there. I don't think you know their full-backs are not too bad, but I think their centre-backs can be got at. Um, and I think Calvert-Lewin will score. And I, th- and I do think uh, Richarlison's due a couple as well. Yeah, I, I think I think I think we'll win the game. I, I think I always say that, don't I? But uh, I think I do think we win the game. Le- Leeds is a, is a is a you know is, is a tough opponent. The degree they are, as we said, well drilled. Uh, but I think we'll just add too much. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to say two one. There's no way we're keeping a clean sheet at the moment. I've I've, I've got I've had a, been uh, wistful thinking for the last few weeks about having a clean sheet, and, and it hasn't materialised. So um, I'll take a scrappy one nil win any day of the week. By the way, but I, I think I think a two one two one win. Calvert Lewin brace because he can't stop scoring, um, and he and he's walking off with the uh, the golden boost at the end of the season as well. Put that one down. What what, what odds is he now? Calvert Lewin golden boost. Oh yeah, it must, must be uh, less less than evens now. He's he's that good. Dominic Calvert Calvert But now he's let's hope so. Let's hope we can get another win. Really important before we go into a, a tough December. Uh, so we've got to make sure we get the points on the board and and, and start another another run if we can. Um, but before we go, a couple of a couple of little messages from us. First of all, a massive thank you to everyone who's who's got uh, on board with the. The hamper collection for the Everton's Veterans Hub. It's been the the, the actual the response has been unbelievable. Um we we've picked up uh, all manner of things this week. you know, uh, family and friends have got involved as well, of course. But you know, people who've who've got in touch with us on Twitter. Obviously we had a, a fantastic founder pound donation from across the pond as well. Um which is just you know, blown us away totally and, and it means that we can get the twenty five hampers done. Uh my kitchen is looking like looking like Asda at the moment in terms of all the all the stuff boxed up. It's incredible. Um, so we 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 can't thank everyone enough for helping us out. We're still collecting. We'll be, we'll be collecting until around about the the tenth, eleventh of December. So if you've got a, a few bits lying around there, or if you go and do a shop and pick up a few extra bits for the hamper, that would be be really appreciated. And we'll we'll organise getting that getting that picked up. Obviously, face masks, etc. Social distancing. All of that will be will be adhered to by by ourselves. Um, and secondly, if you do listen again, we said it before on on iTunes, give us a, a subscribe to us and leave a comment and, and a rating as well. As we said before, that that really that really helps us out. Uh, but Andy, thanks for coming on the show again, mate. As as always, uh, an insightful chat from yourself. Thank you very much. Enjoy it as always. And we will be back um, next week. Post post leads to uh, hopefully be going through a uh, a better Everton performance than we saw today. But the most important thing is that we we discuss another another Everton victory. So we will catch you then. 
the Unholy Trinity podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.